Hello. Hey guys, you're here with Dr. Molly and Todd Rowland. And we're bringing you the podcast, the business side of the pet industries. So today we're going to do um, something a little more in-depth, a little different. We're going to address the issue of employee turnover, retention, job satisfaction, quality of working life, kind of all those things that go into being able to brand yourself as an employer that attracts top talent that wants to stay. So um, we're going to go a little bit more in depth than we've previously done just about our background, um, the education, the experience, the things that we have, and then we'll kind of get right into our employee turnover model. So Molly, what? Uh, let's start with, uh, we know you got into grooming uh, because you were in college to be an English school teacher. Yeah. So I figured if I was working during college, I was going to do something with animals. I loved animals. At the time, I was waiting tables and just wasn't fulfilling for me. So I had applied at all kind of different uh, pet establishments like vets offices, cashiers, um, PetSmart. And I finally at one point got a call back um, to become a bather. And so that's how I got my start. Um and so after working there about how many years? Two? Um, yeah, going on. I, I mean, probably close to two, two and a half total. And so you kind of got unhappy with that environment, uh, being told what to do all the time, all about numbers, nothing about the care of the dog and things like that. So you jumped out on your own. Yes. So um, to back up a little. So after just when I got hired, I was told as a bather, like, okay, like you'll do this for, you know, usually one to two years, then we'll send you to grooming school. So just as you're getting the hang of what to do as a bather, like a month later, I got sent to grooming school. And then that's only a month. And then a month back in the salon, and it was just go, go, go. Within two months, I already had my hundred dogs done for certification. So, and I'm just jumped right in. So, of course, um, and this isn't just particular to corporate. This is so many places that we hear about, unfortunately. And it is, like Todd said, the toxic culture. And it was like everything was sales. Everything was work. It's like I would go, you know, 10 hours without going to pee because I didn't have that five minutes to walk to the back of the store. And lunch, it was like you had to clock out, but you'd go clock out. You'd work through it and then you'd forget to clock back in and then you'd get in trouble for not clocking back in, even though you never even got to have your break. And it was just a vicious cycle of the customer is always right. And then more numbers. Why aren't you upselling? Blah, 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 blah. And it was just on and on and on. And I did after about a year and a half, I went on a deployment. And so I, I took about a year off while I was on that. And while I was gone, it was, you know, more of the same. And I just decided that was not the environment that I wanted to go back into. And so like so many other groomers out there that start their own business, like we don't start it because we wanted to be business owners or we wanted to grow this amazing team. Like we started it because we were so unhappy with where we were at. And that goes for corporate or private. Like it doesn't matter. Like if you have not been happy where you're at, especially if you've been in multiple salons or multiple um, establishments, like again, you just get fed up and you're like, well, I'll just work for myself and do it better. And then- we don't know anything about actually doing that better. So that's where I kind of left and I found a van and went out on my own. And then um, that was, yeah, going on. We're about to go on our 10th year for that. So um, I realized I didn't know anything about running a business, any kind of anything business related. I just knew I knew how to groom and I found a van and bought it. So that's when I went to school and got my um, my master's degree. I started in a great business program at our uh, Middle Tennessee State University. And then from there, I got my master's in business education and corporate training because as I had progressed kind of through that degree, it was about a two, two and a half year degree. I learned, you know, we had already grown the business, added another unit, added a team member. And that was just really the direction and the goals overall that we wanted to take the business. So we really had a chance. And then when I finished that master's degree, I still wanted to kind of take it to the next level. There was still stuff I needed to learn. I needed to learn more about management, leadership, you know, how how to find, you know, how to develop these different personalities and everything. So 
that's when I started my doctorate program. And so now I've got a doctorate in management in organizational leadership. So everything I've done since I started the business was because my end goal was to not be the kind of employer that I had had, because we were seeing that over and over. And it's just the toxicity, the negativity, the customer is always right. And it's killing groomers physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's killing these businesses too, not only by business owners losing their team members, but by these groomers that go out and start a business and don't even want to be business owners. They just can't find somewhere that they're happy. So, I mean, really this whole thing is just a vicious cycle and chain reaction that affects everyone involved. Yeah. And I mean, we, we see just a little things such as, you know, salon managers, owners getting onto their employees for not upselling enough. You know, that's one of the reasons we're all inclusive. Like our groomers are not sales ladies and men. They, if they want to be salesmen, they would go sell real estate or sell cars or something. They're not in the sales business. They're in the pet care industry. Um, I come from 15 years of leadership as well. Uh, had a team of 90 people underneath me, uh, dealt with everything, turnover, all the things. But what we quickly learned is, you know, one set of business does not necessarily help interline with the grooming. I mean, obviously there's certain things like SLPs and stuff, you know, you got to have those and all those kind of things, your online presence and stuff. But the grooming industry is such a niche. Yeah. It's so like, Todd, he had the business side, the management side in a different space. And it was like, it wasn't up until probably the last going on two years that he's really got involved. And that's just as we've grown, we needed another person because that's another thing. It's like you as a business owner, you you can only do so much on your own. And then like now you can only do so much with the next person you bring on to help you and the next. And you just have to like be prepared. And, you know, when you're a one-on-one groomer, you're, you own your job, uh, own your business, whatever, but you're the, a, a solo show, you know, you do have to produce every bit of the income. But once you start growing and you can listen to our episode next week about working own your business instead of in your business. And that will be a key thing as you continue to grow. And if you don't do that, you know, you'll start running into some of the problems that we're going to talk about because you are in the grind every day and you're not even realizing some of these things. Yeah. And so Molly, uh, tell, go into depth about your two-year study you did, because I think a lot of people don't understand how long this took, how many people you interviewed, how long the interview process was, the actual data that you got from this information. Yeah. So um, every doctoral um, study, like degree to get your degree, the the last big part of that after all the classes and the coursework and everything is your actual dissertation. And you get to you have to find a topic that hasn't been um, stud- scientifically studied and researched and that there's a need and it fits into a very small category to where when you graduate, when they approve that dissertation, when you defend it um, and publish it and get your degree, you're considered an expert in that very specific little space. Um, And for me, I was like, I knew, you know, when you look up stuff for dog groomers, there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of even great articles published, magazines, um, these conferences, speakers, everything. But there's really not a lot of scientific data. I mean, uh, so that's what I did. I mean, we've all seen there's turnover, job satisfaction, you know, burnout. Those are all real problems in the grooming industry and all the pet industries, really. And one thing that I noticed uh, the more I got involved is, and not necessarily in our business, because we, we've we never had a manager of employees. It's always been me or Molly uh, handling those situations. But we notice in salon areas that people would promote maybe the person who had been there the longest, maybe the person who had the highest sales, maybe the person didn't call it much into a management position. And these people had no leadership skills and I'm not, you know, not picking on them, but the owner or the director should never promote these people because they had no intentions of providing them with continuing education. You know, you go in other areas of business, you know, and you're looking for leadership or management, you're looking for, you know, previous management experience, um, education in that background. And we just don't see that. And so then you have people managing other people when they have no, and some people do turn out to be great leaders with no uh, training, training, but I would say, you know, it's not, 
that's why people get so disgruntled in the yeah. industry. Based on the data, that's 90% doesn't seem to be the case. Um, we've I even interviewed a girl who took a was a, a manager of a huge salon and then moved and took a normal position. She had she wanted a break, she didn't want to manage, she was in a new state, a new space, a new team. And then within like six months, they just basically promoted her, even though she didn't want it. Here she was filling in all these roles and stuff. Now she was fully capable of that. But again, it, it wasn't even a position she wanted. And even if she didn't take the title, she still had to do all the other work. But yeah, I mean, you cannot discount the um, the education that you're providing for these people, even if they're not uh, quote unquote managers, if they're support staff, if they are team leads, if they're head groomers or you know, lead assistant or whatever title it is that you have, make sure that you're giving them the training to be successful. These are soft skills. These are not how to groom. They are, if they're, if you're promoting a groomer from within, you already know they know how to groom. These are things like how to deal with customer conflict, how to deal with personality, conflict resolution among team members, you know, how to be fair, how to be unbiased, how to take age discrimination, you know, height discrimination, any discrimination, you know, oh, well, so-and-so can't do that dog because of their age, or I'm not going to hire this person because they only take small dogs or, you know, and it's just, there's a lot of teaching that you can do, um, even just how to word things or to take a minute, you know, so many people will just, we'll see these screenshots and hear these stories where they'll just fire off at their employees or fire off at a customer. And then they come back and they get the backlash and they wonder, and it's like, you know, take a minute, teach yourself and teach your team, you know, how to deal with situations. So you're not reactive um, in the moment, but so kind of moving on, that's just kind of where we got to and from and how it all started is I was burnout. Everyone I worked with was burnout. Um, and I just got tired of feeling like I didn't matter as a groomer. So I went out on my own. Um, and for, fortunately, I was able to go and get the education to learn how to successfully run a business, how to successfully build a team. And now we're at the point where we've, we have branded ourselves and figured out, you know, we don't really, we don't advertise for jobs. People come to us and it's like, it's employee referrals and it's customer referrals. It's, you know, all the things that, because we have been around and our employees do stay and they are happy and that gets out in the grooming community. Yeah. You know, like I think we said a couple of episodes ago, it's the last five or six, now I think six people, maybe seven, we just made a new hire this week have come to us uh, without even advertising that we're hiring. And, you know, they're great people. We're trying to find positions to fit them. But one thing I will say about the people that come to us, it's almost like we're not doing the interviews anymore. They're interviewing us because they've worked for people that they're not happy about. And if you don't, you know, I know a lot of owners, managers, when they're hiring people, they'll see what that person's posting on social media or not. The, the, your new employees are finding out what you're posting. If you're going into the groups and you're saying, how do I handle this difficult employee? And you're putting that all information out there and and then you go and people give you advice and you, you don't take it or whatever. You post, oh, this is how it ended up. The you know Your potential employee is looking at that, seeing how you handle it. They look at your reviews. They look how you handled negative reviews. Uh, I mean, I've seen stuff where people, you know, someone got on there and complained about a, a cut for a dog. And, you know, the owner says, uh, you know, we got rid of her. Like, yeah. again, Molly goes back to that customer's always right thing. That's one of the things that, it's, yeah. it's not right. Yeah. So kind of, we kind of, kind of looped around and got a little off track, but so to go back to the actual study, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I knew there was a need. We were seeing it more and more, um, personally with the groomers, groomers, we didn't know on social media, things like that. So I did a two year, um, what's called a grounded study, grounded theory study. And it was of female employee turnover in the private pet grooming sector. So that had to be so specific, um, for the study. So that's something that, you know, we're excited to announce. We are starting the second um, phase of that to be more inclusive of other people. But this was a two-year in-depth study where these, some of these interviews lasted, you know, multiple sessions, multiple hours, just going specifically everything they experienced, uh, the positive, the negative, what made them quit jobs, what made them leave jobs, um, things they wish they had, um, things they didn't even know they needed until they realized they didn't have them. 
Um, and we half the study was um, managers um, and owners, and then half the study was what you'll hear me refer to as hourly employees. But hourly employees, for the purpose of this conversation in this study, was anyone that not in a management position that was a groomer. So, I mean, you could have been paid hourly, commission, mixed wages, however. Um, for the purpose, again, of this conversation and this study, they're referred to as hourly employees because um, how they got paid wasn't as important as they were not in that management role. Um, so throughout that study, and then once I got done, you know, I went through, coded everything, just deep dive and came up with what I refer to as the employee turnover model. So basically. So, so what were the top four things that you found out from the study? Yeah. So that employee turnover model had two parts. There were four uh, core negative things and four core positive things. So what we found was the four core negative themes were the things that brought groomers down and made them leave jobs, made them leave the industry as a whole, um, things like that. And then the four core positive were things that uh, were keeping employees, um, preventing burnout, creating higher job satisfaction, higher quality of working life, um, and just that balance that, you know, people need and groomers are looking for. So, yeah, so we'll start with the first um, the first one, which will be the core negative themes. And so we'll go, I'll kind of highlight on what those are as just kind of a for overview, and then we'll go a little more in detail. Um, but for the core negative things, employees are overscheduled and overworked. Um, there's lack of support felt by employees, toxic work environment, and lack of sanitation and safety procedures, policies, and training. So we hear those and we think, oh, yeah, like, so we know that's a thing. But when you're talking about, you see the conversation around hiring, firing, looking for a new job, and, you know, we keep seeing over and over the, well, how much do you pay? How much do you what are you, you know, are you commissioning you whatever, but I'll tell you in two years of study, not one person that I interviewed said they left a job because of their pay or because of benefits. Now I agree, um, with paying, you know, a livable wage. Yeah. A very livable wage. And I think even more, you know, they should have a very nice livable wage. This is a skilled labor job and it's hard. So like your employees need to be compensated adequately for that. Um, and benefits, you know, again, we offer benefits, um, but that's something we've grown into and they're still not as all, you know, they're not what we want them to be. Yeah. You know, we're still hoping that, you know, we can grow and expand and offer more and more. So, but I'll tell you like those that think they have to pay, you know, astronomical to where you can't be successful in some of these other areas, or you have to offer benefits again in a, a two year study, not one person left a job over their pay or over um, the benefits they didn't get. Now, those may have been perks or something that may have helped weigh the decision, but those weren't even mentioned. So going into employees are overscheduled and overworked. So that was the top theme, like the number one thing of leaving jobs. And this was contributing to like low job satisfaction, no work life, home balance, um, physical problems, emotional, mental. And this is has to do with multiple areas. Like too many dogs, too many big dogs, no time for breaks. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just that, oh, you're working 50, 60 hours a week. Maybe you were working 35, 40 hours a week, but in that time you have, you know, five big dogs a day and you're just beating yourself down. And, you know, th this is such a simple fix. I mean, obviously, you know, it is, it's a, at the end of the day, if you're running a semi large scale business in this industry. I mean, there are, you have to make numbers or you can't pay your people. You can't keep the lights on. And so, you know, it is sort of about numbers, but you know, you can have your team meet the numbers, but in, in when they are available to do it yeah, for that work-life balance. Yeah. And that goes with, and we found this again, these were taken from 50% hourly um, like groomers and 50% manager owners. Um, so when we heard that from every every side, you know, the managers and the owners were seeing people leave because of being overworked, but they never changed it. And then we got the feedback that people were leaving because they were overworked. So kind of following that, um, the number two is lack of support felt by employees. And that is lack of support from management. And if you are in management and you weren't an owner, or if you're 
you had both lack of owner or management experience. We saw a lot of times, um, and we've even witnessed this in our local community over the last couple of years, over and over, um, non-grooming owners come into the industry and think, oh, well, I'll just buy this dog grooming business and it'll be great. Like it's profitable. I have all these groomers and I'll make a bunch of money and they don't actually understand. So they don't understand how to schedule. So they get overworked. They don't understand the frustrations that and the emotionality that comes with the job, like and the difficult days. And they don't understand why one dog may take longer this time because it's having a bad day or it's matted. And so you know, and again, they were, they were never trained. There wasn't an onboarding. There wasn't all those things. So, um, lack of support for management, lack of owner or management experience. And this goes into what Todd was talking to, not just that they're not groomers, but hiring, um, groomers without any kind of training on how to manage and lead, you know, that's a whole different role than just being a groomer. We also see that, you know, you'll have an owner, whether they've been a groomer or not, will hire or promote somebody to a manager. And then, you know, the manager is taking the complaints from the employees and going to the owner. And then the owner doesn't support the manager in these things because, and again, people, then they leave. Yeah. So um, you got to make sure to support if you're an owner and you have support staff, support management, you need to support them. And and that's not saying on day one, you say, hey, you're a manager and then I'm I'm going to support every decision you make. I mean, with, you know, there needs to be a time, a process, a walkthrough, like at, there's a point where every decision they make should be ran through you. But then once the training wheels come off, you need to feel confident that they're going to handle those situations like you would, you know, like we say, you know, we want an after action report, not the play by play, you know, at kickoff time. Um, and then the last thing with that, it kind of all rolls in together with the experience is inadequate training, education, and positive reinforcement. And not part of your study, which I know it's in your study, but yeah. how many people have we met who were very happy? They were happy at the place they were working at, except the owner slash manager would not let them go to a continuing education, even if they were going to pay for it. I cannot tell you how many people we have met who have told us that probably a hundred at least over the past two years. Yeah. And if, if not like, more, like I said, not even part of this study, which I know that came up in your study yeah. too, but it's like, we, <laughs> if you want off to go to one of these things, you're going to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have one of our groomers that is competes and he's probably what, 10 shows a year. Um, qu Close. Yeah. 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 And it's like, uh, we understand that, you know, education, the especially these big conferences or shows, I mean, you can get up into the thousands of dollars to send a team or, you know, even to send one person if it's hotels, meals, classes, you know, and that we understand that's not in everyone's budget, um, but find something, you know, find an online class they can do, find some good YouTube videos. And at, like Todd said, at the end of the day, if they want to pay their own money to go to these conferences, give them off. And not only that, but if you offer PTO, in my opinion, that shouldn't even be paid time off. Now, if they want to be paid, but like if they still want to go on vacation and then go to a conference all in the same year, say yes, because that helps your them with skills and it helps them with growing their network. And again, this is where where I was sitting on the sidelines. I mean, I would be active when we need to buy vans, expand, whatever, but I just did never understand that because every other industry I've been involved in, one, if it's a regulated industry, which some of the industries are were, I mean, continuing education was, it was by, required by law in that particular state. It yeah. wasn't optional. And then everything else, I mean, most companies will spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars if they're of size a year to, to continue to educate their people, whether it be in, in whatever, sexual harassment, I mean, just continuing yeah. education. And for some reason, I would sit over here and be like, what is going on in this industry? And why are our owners slash managers not investing in their team in this way? And that goes for, um, yeah, like your skills, that goes for pricing that goes for your management skills that goes if you want to add a new service like if you want to get into color there's so much that you can do just by taking the investing in the education um but please if you are somewhere and you want to go please present that to your manager to your owner to your leader someone and let them know that this is a real concern and that you need to you know, you need this opportunity, whether they're able to pay for it and provide that or not. 
Um, so we'll go on to the next one, which this is a big one. Again, you see this over and over. Um, toxic work environment. And so the big contributing factors that what we found actually mattered in people contributing to that were lack of teamwork, toxic personalities, and toxic culture. So, you know, we refer to, we don't really have employees. We don't have staff. We have a team. And like our entire team is how we're able to do everything we're able to do. That's how we're able to continue to grow and continue to provide more benefits that we're able to do this podcast and do the business coaching because we have a phenomenal team and we do not take that for granted. And we acknowledge that and we let them know, um, you know, daily and, you know, they can feel it and they feel supported and they feel, you know, all the things, all the feels, but like when you don't have that teamwork, even if it's just you and one other person, um, you need to just build up that. And that's not to say that, I mean, they know our decision is whatever, but, you know, we actually ask their opinions, ask their feedback. When we go to these conferences, they usually try out different products. And if they want to use something, you know, we have them tell us, you know, why and what they want to use. And, you know, we'll go about finding a way to either use it or not use it. But it's after a full evaluation and actually taking their opinions into account. Yeah, I think it's just truly important if you're going to if you want to grow and have team members is. Obviously, you have to have boundaries, I mean, in between your team and stuff, but you do, without your team, you don't have a business, you own your job. And so you need to treat your team members just, I don't know how to even describe it. Like, we don't make a decision in the business. We were having a conversation with somebody outside of the business the other day, and they were asking us about something. I said, well, we don't know how that would impact our employees. Like, we don't make any decisions in the business unless we're thinking about how it's going to impact the employees. Yeah. And so um, with that lack of teamwork or whatever, that goes in, you know, to everything like we just um, built had, you know, luckily had the opportunity to build out a space um, for our grooming salon and our boarding kennel, exactly how we thought. And before that process, you know, we actually went to our team and said, hey, like, this is how we're thinking of setting up the rooms and having this over here and that over there. Like, what do you think? And, you know, we kind of got their feedback on things based on our old space that didn't work or that worked well or that they thought would be different. And then we moved in. It was like, okay, well, this is kind of, you know, this is P&P policies and procedures. Do these for a few weeks and let's let's reevaluate. Let's see what's not working. Let's see what you like. Let's see what you don't like. And I mean, we've probably changed things up, you know, three or four or five times since we've been over there, but it's been based off of the feedback from our team. And so those are just things you have to keep in mind um, when you're, I don't know, when you're wanting to have that positive work environment. And, and one thing, um, I believe it was Denise in one of her classes uh, mentioned, you know, if if one employee is complaining, it may be them. But if you have two team members coming to you and about the same issue, you need to look at your policies and procedures. Look at yourself. I mean, if you, you know... You, yeah. One person's not happy about something. Okay. They're complaining or they're, you know, being sensitive or whatever. But if you have two, three, four, you know, your whole team coming to you with an issue, it's, it's you, whether it's a policy, a procedure, an action you're doing, a voice you're using, like, and some people are not comfortable going to their manager or the owner talking about those things. So if you have someone like we have someone that's kind of just like our little liaison when everyone knows they can go to them and talk about anything that they don't want to come to us for and they'll come to us with the problem and we don't know who said it and then if it's something that they feel others might be feeling you know they'll start a conversation around that about hey who else and they've come up with some really good um, suggestions some things we've changed um, ways to handle situations like aggressive dogs you know just things like that but if they didn't feel comfortable coming to us or bringing that to us or that they would even be heard, they wouldn't have even dealt with it. And that would have just been one more thing to be resentful. And that would have built and grown. And and, and we're extremely approachable to all of our team members, but there still is for some reason that where people don't necessarily want to complain to us or. Or they see it as a complaint when it's just feedback. Yeah, it's just feedback. Uh, I think that's from, and you didn't have to experience this because uh, that was not an option. Like when I worked at corporate, they didn't care what you thought. Yeah. And it's like, 
everyone we have, half of them, um, well, most of them have come from corporate and it's like, they've been in that situation. So, um, and then toxic personalities and, um, toxic culture. So this is one, you know, you may have, and you may have noticed, or you may be working in a place and it is a terrible working environment. You dread going in. There's that one person that's always in a bad mood or always has an attitude or talks about everyone. Like a role at your salon needs to be no gossip. Like we do not gossip. You don't talk about people. Like it's not that you work with, like you want to talk about, you know, your friend or cousin Joe or whoever, then you guys can talk about that. But like, we don't talk about each other. It doesn't go around. There's not that negativity. And if someone can't abide by that, then, I mean, that needs to be your policy. And then they're not a good fit because all that's going to do is put other team members in the middle or create a hostile work environment. Um, and just a negative space that people don't feel comfortable either sharing or being themselves or even being in to work. Um, and, we've noticed and you probably think, oh, well, I can't afford to lose that groomer. Like they're fully booked or they have a full book of dogs or we have so many customers calling. Like you'll adapt. If you get rid of that toxic person that is just bringing your entire salon down or your entire team down, like they're gonna, as the second that person exits for the last time, there will be like, you will feel that sigh of relief and that increased morale and increased culture instantly. Um, and that's so many things. And you can find another groomer that fits. You can distribute those dogs. You may, you know, you can adapt to that situation because uh, would you rather lose your entire team or over this one person? Or would you rather lose this one person and reinforce to your team that you hear them, you know, their feelings are valid and you've noticed that, you know, the culture is becoming toxic. Yeah, I, I think we see it over and over again. People holding on to one person, you know, they may be your highest bringing in the most business. Okay. They, they're, they've been there the longest they bring in the most, but you know, you have four other people working there and they're all on edge. You've got people constantly leaving. You don't understand why. Again, this is why it's important once you have more than a couple of employees to start working on your business, because you don't need to be standing over at your grooming table for 10 hours a day, six days a week and not realizing what is actually going on in your business because one person and we've seen this too is once somebody actually will get rid of that person a lot of times the other people will work extra and work over to take those dogs because they're just so happy that, that person's gone they're not dreading coming into work and yeah it's it's worth any inconvenience that they have to go through just to have that negativity gone and and we're we're also like it's, we don't we don't just let people go either we do everything possible to change the situation, fix the situation. So it's not like just walking in your salon one day. I mean, you need to give people plenty of warning. Uh, well, and that's something like we talked about soft skills with management, but that's something that you may have to train your your team members on too at any level, like how to deal with conflict resolution, how to realize that it's not always their way or the highway, like this is a team and your actions affect everyone. And, you know, it may be as far as just setting the boundaries of what is and is not acceptable to talk about. Like as business owners, we don't discuss religion or politics with any of our team members because we know that there's conflicting views between you know, different members and different whatever. And it's like, you know, some places which it, we have, you know, nothing that is, um, what is that word? Uh, not discriminatory, but derogatory or um, slander, things like that. So if it's something that offensive, there we go. Sorry. If you're nothing offensive at work. So if you're talking about a topic and someone's offended by it, like, that means that topic's off limits. So whether they, most of our team feels comfortable talking with each other to say, hey, I don't agree with that. I don't something. And then the conversation just gets shifted. Like, you know, have that conversation. Like we're all individuals. We all have opinions. Um, but it may be something where those are, if those are constant, whatever the constant source of conflict is, maybe you just eliminate that. You know, you guys can talk about that on your off time, but at work, we don't talk about A, B, and C. Um, so there's a lot you can do to actually kind of help teach that and implement because some people just don't know. They don't know that they're coming off as abrasive or rude or confrontational or that they can't take feedback. Um, we had a team member one time. It's like every time you would tell them something, they were just, well, this is why I did it. This is this. And it's like they didn't realize it came across as combative, argumentative, that they couldn't take constructive criticism. And it's like, well, 
I understand all that. I'm just trying to explain like, this is why we're doing this. And this is, you know, how it needs to go look moving forward. So there's a lot of ways that, and they're like, oh my gosh, I never even realized that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, they're used to having to defend themselves because again, they came from that culture where every time anything was said to them, it was neg. It came from a negative place. So. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, if you do have that toxic person in your workplace that, you know, you make seem like they're the most valuable person. Cause again, they may groom more dogs than anybody else in a day or something. It, it makes your team feel like they can't express the issues to you because they're never going to do anything with bubbly because she does the most dogs a day. Like she, whatever. And again, like, everybody's equal at our company. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a part-time kennel tech that, you know, picks up the dog poop out of the, uh, the fences uh, or, you know, you're a competitive groomer. Every employee in our organization is treated the same way. Yeah. With respect and care. And like, you know, we just ex- expect that and they expect it. And, and our- every position yeah is just as important as the other one too. If you don't have the person answering the phones and booking the appointments, it doesn't matter how great of a groomer you have, they're not going to be getting any dogs because no one's going to be booking their appointments. So it's like, that's why I say like it treat everybody equally. Yeah. And then, so we'll kind of move on from that. Um, the fourth negative thing um, was lack of sanitation and safety procedures, policies, and training. So the big things that we kept seeing over and over were work-related injuries. And those were things by people who had previous injuries, had asked for weight limits and weren't given them, or um, broken equipment, you know, and tables that, you know, aren't hydro or weren't hydraulic, weren't electric, or they were broken um, and then cleanliness and sanitation issues, mold, mildew. One person had a dead mouse in her coffee cup, like there, because there was just mice everywhere. They, she said they got in everything. There was poop everywhere. It was like in so many places. Like I came from a salon where when I started, I was like, I just kept getting sick. And I was like, oh my God, like, did I not realize I was allergic to dogs this whole time? And here I'm in this new job and I'm not going to be able to stay here. So I went and had all this allergy testing done. I was not allergic to dogs, but almost ever, highly allergic to mold. And then come to find out like the whole bathing room is just, you know, covered in mold and mildew. And, you know, they just put a bandaid over it. And it's like so many places you walk into and there's no, there's no list of cleaners. There's no, no going over how to clean equipment, no checklist, no thing. And, you know, you just take for granted that you're working in an environment that needs to be cleaned, that it will be done. And I'm here to tell you, it won't be. Um, we have pretty high cleaning standards and everybody has a checklist and a daily cleaning list and things they have to do to their personal station, to their van, to their shared stations. Um, and then there's, you know, weekly big cleaning and then there's monthly cleanings and, you know, the deep of the deep cleaning. So, but again, like that was a learning process for us too, but that's something over and over again that these groomers are not seeing. Like there's nobody taking accountability. There's nobody checking. There's nobody coming around and actually doing anything about it. Um, And it's causing health issues. It's causing just, you know, stress, anxiety, you know, and that's for people and pets. Like, I mean, would you want to send your dog to be groomed somewhere that you know had a moldy bathing room? Like, I'm not going to open that up to them. That's skin irritation. That's bacteria. That's fungus. That's all kind of things that could really hurt a dog. Not to mention, you know, think about it from an owner standpoint. Like, would you want that? Like, do you want to work in that? Yeah. And the same thing about the equipment and, you know, work-related injuries is, if you're an owner, you need to be budgeting and upgrade your equipment every so often. It's because, you know, like we just, when we built out our new salon because we outgrew the other one. Um, I think, you know, everybody got new tables. Okay. So all those tables eventually are going to wear out or, you know, and they're probably going to wear out close to the same time. But yeah. like, you know, every year we look at how much money we spend in X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we increase it a little bit and budget for the next year because we know things are going to go out. And like, no, we don't buy new tables every year, but we know they're going to go out one day. So we're, you know, we, we save for stuff like that. And it's just, and if you're in that situation and you do have rundown equipment, maybe you bought a salon from somebody and you know, you need to get this, be honest with the staff. Like, Hey, you know, we have these four tables. We were plan on, uh, replace them one each quarter yeah. th- just so your team knows you're working towards 
upgrading their equipment that will help them. No, not everybody can go out and buy all new tables one day just because whatever or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's kind of the four negatives. So again, employees over and over, they're overscheduled and overworked, burnout, low job satisfaction. Um, and that leads to a lack of support felt by employees. And that's at every level, whether you're what we consider an hourly employee or manager or a leader, um, just not supported. Uh, the over and over toxic work environment, toxic culture, not getting along, toxic personalities, um, and then the lack of sanitation and safety procedures. And this goes into things like aggressive dogs, how to handle, how to lift, um, stretching, time off, you know, being able to sit versus stand the whole time. Things that don't really make a difference as far as if your groomer is getting it done or not. Like, again, I worked at a, a corporate salon, like we couldn't, the only people that could have a stool were if you were pregnant and you had a doctor's note and I believe it even had to be in your last trimester, like, why can, why can I, I have back injuries. Most of us out there, like raise your hand, like you have back injuries, you have all kind of things, feet injuries, leg, like, you know, it's a very physical job. Like why are your employees not allowed to sit down? Like, and like I had an injury where I wouldn't have been able to groom for months had I not been able to sit down, like a very severe, very physical injury. And it was like, I could only do small dogs and only if I could sit. So I kind of trained myself to groom sitting down. And ever since I've been back from that, I'll sit, I'll stand, you know, I have a little fold up stool. It takes no space. It's not in anybody's way. And now most of our team has stools or chairs um, that they keep either in their vans or at the salon because you just never know what's going to go on or when you're going to tweak your back or when you're just going to be exhausted. Or maybe it's your, you know, your 40th hour and your feet are just killing you because you need a new pair of shoes. Like let them sit. And again, it's just, it's a whole bunch of things. Then we could go on and on and on, but. And we are. At yeah. The time. <laughs> yeah. But we'll leave it at there for now. Um, and we'll go ahead and move on to the four core positive themes. And we know this is kind of a longer issue. So um, a lot of great information, though. So we'll try not too much, you know, to keep dragging this out. But the four core positive things, these, again, were the things that I found over and over again, that employees, managers, hourly, everyone was saying, like, this is what kept us at jobs. This is what was important. This is what you know, made our quality of working life high. This helped prevent burnout. Um, so the first one was importance of teamwork, a positive work environment, continuing education, and then proactive safety and sanitation procedures, policies, and training. So the importance of teamwork, that was at every level. Um, again, we talked about how negative not having that teamwork can be, but that needs to be from teamwork among employees, like from our, you know, let's say, all the groomers, all the bathers, everyone needs to get along and they need to know like, you know, we have a common goal and it's to groom these dogs, have good customer service, you know, be profitable, make some good money, keep everything clean. You know, there's like A, B, C, D, E, and they all feel the same way and that they're all contributing to that and that they're all important and that if one of them slacks, then they all have to pick it up. And Yeah, and it can be as simple as, I mean, we see stuff like, Someone has, we have a new dog, it's crazy for the nail trim or something. You know, at certain salons, people won't even, oh, that's their dog and that's not my problem. Where, I mean, we'll see some of our people run over there to help without being asked just because they know it'll be easier to have two hands on it. Or if a dog has an accident, you know, the person not at the table was getting the paper, you know, just stuff like that. Because again, when you're in that position, you want the help or you want someone to help or like um, to clean it up. Or if you're behind and they are ahead, maybe they'll wash a dog for you and stick it in a kennel. Like it's just that team mentality. And there's so much stuff you can do to start building that if you don't have it. Um, so that's among the the team members themselves, but then also with the team uh, teamwork between managers and leaders. So that goes back to your managers need to feel supported and they need to feel like you're on their team. And then as a whole, like that doesn't need to be like, I'm right, you're wrong. Like again, as an organization, you guys should all have the same goals and working together to achieve those is only going to help everybody. So keep that in mind. Like teamwork makes the dream work is what we say. And like we have like we we teach this class and at conferences and 
coaching and like we're we'll finally this year be doing kind of like all day seminars on it but it's called like build your dream team like and that's what we like to say we have is like our dream team but they need to feel that about you as a business owner as well yeah and i mean little things and i actually mentioned this on next week's episode that's coming up but two weeks two, two weeks but if you um if you have an employee that's running late and i'm not talking about every day but they're running late because x y and z happened go get them breakfast ask them do they need something like that Be- little things like that go such a long way with people yeah. at least tell them oh well don't rush take your time like we got your dog checked in like they don't need to hear oh my gosh well you're late i'm writing you up or whatever they're already stressed they know they're late they know they don't need to be now if it's a habitual offender that's a whole other conversation you know that may that's time to kind of look at scheduling and things but if it's someone that's normally not late they don't need to be you know, torn down and have an even crappier day. Yeah. And I don't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if if there is an incident where someone does need to be written up, I don't think we ever do it the day of. No. And we always wait till, because usually if there's someone does something that they would need to have some type of. I'm not going to say never, but it's rare. Yeah. And it's more of a coaching session. I don't really call it a write up, but it's more of just, Hey, let's go over the thing. And we have this, um, and I know I'm getting all track here, but like an incident report. So anything, you know, if it requires that they fill it out that day, we can go over it later. And that way you're not, it doesn't feel like to them, they already messed up. They don't want to be screamed at. They don't want to, it's just help them through it. And then we'll talk about it on Friday. Yeah. And that doesn't nest that that goes for anything. Not just like if, um, you know, being late, like if there's an accident or equipment gets broken or a dog gets injured or, you know, that person that does that is going to be so upset and you probably will be too. Like, this is one of those, take, take a minute, take, you know, some space and actually come back, you know, after you've had a chance to evaluate, like if you were in that position, how would you want to be talked to? How would you want to be treated? Would I remember, you know, I was just thinking about this week. Uh, we had a team member, have a wreck and it, it was their fault it, it was their fault and most people would be freaking out why they did whatever and it's just like at first, number one are you okay number two is the other person okay number three is the van okay is it drivable do you need the rest of the day off but then she ended up finishing the day it was a minor fender bender uh end of the day you're and your family's dinner is on us like i called molly i said she's had a bad day yeah you know we should have just made her take off the rest of the day um but let's get her dinner tonight yeah and and i mean there will be a formal again incident report coaching session that will go in her work history but in the moment that's not none of that needs to be brought up or addressed like everyone's okay they're upset your stuff is fine like and let me just take this to uh take the opportunity to say If you're a business owner, nobody is ever, ever, ever going to work in your business like you do, care as much about your business as you do, or be as careful or be as forgiving or groom how you would or whatever. Because in your mind, you're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that will ever achieve that quality and that standard. And I'm just here to tell you, you have to throw that mentality out the door um, and just accept the fact that you are one person and as you grow like people are going to wreck your vans people are going to knock your dryers off the table people are going to cut a dog people are going to lose their cool with a customer and you'll get a bad review like over and over and over these things are going to happen and that's just part of it like and that's not to say that you don't do some of those things yourself you know i'll admit I've hit a mailbox. I was trying to eat and drive at the same time. Don't recommend it. You know, I've cut a dog. You know, I've had to take one to the vet because of something I personally did. I've lost my cool on a customer. You know, I've, you know, responded hastily to a Facebook review. Like I've done all those things. So I'm here to tell you, like, I've learned from them because you never want to experience that again. Like the repercussions of your actions, like, and this goes for employees too. Like same thing. If you're so upset about something that what the words that come out of your mouth are going to be something you're going to regret or cause you to lose your job or cause you to lose half your customer base, don't say it. Think, go home and think about it. And if you're still that upset tomorrow, sit down with whoever you need to sit down with and have a logical conversation. Yeah. But sorry, that's, that's just all I've got to say is just like, just 
whenever you're that upset, just don't respond, don't react and think about it from the other side. Um, so moving on, positive work environment. Obviously, that's important. Um, and the things that we were seeing was genuine voice consideration and appreciation, quality, ergonomic equipment, and appropriate scheduling. So that genuine voice consideration and appreciation, again, that goes into feedback, what works, what doesn't work, what do your um, team members actually need to successfully do their job? Do they need off by three at a certain time? Do they only need to take two big dogs? Do they mainly want to work with, you know, we have some that like to work with doodles and large breeds more so than other. I mean, they'd be happy with five or six a day, but we still limit them to less than that because physically their bodies can't take that day after day, but find out what their needs and wants are and how to adapt it. Um, Todd can attest to this. I can't tell you how many people we've met in the last year or two that, um, were didn't have any say in their schedule they had to work every weekend or at least every saturday and then they had to close so many shifts and open you know i'm here to tell you that the customers will find a way to get there or have them work one saturday a month or every other saturday but making your team work every weekend like that's not realistic and people are leaving jobs but molly says it's not realistic but then you have these people who've been grooming for 40 years on this line and they're smoking their cigarettes saying well i've worked every saturday you know who cares? That's not the day and time we're living in anymore. It's not realistic for today's culture and yeah. work-life balance. People care more now about quality of working life, work-life balance, and job satisfaction than ever before. And they're not going to um, do take a job or stay somewhere where those things are being sacrificed. And again, we're not saying that our team doesn't work and hustle. Our team hustles. Yeah. They Again, we have sales goals or you know how much money each individual person needs to bring into the company week but when and where and how they get that i mean last quarter we talked to each and we had each meeting about hey 2024 is coming up what days do you want off that you already know you know like july the 4th is on a thursday in 2024 do you want off friday that doesn't count towards any of your days just that way you have a four-day weekend what time do you want to be off on wednesdays just Again, create that work-life balance. Yeah. Holidays, most of our, half our team has school-age kids. Like, you know, there's a lot of holidays we're closed and we don't just give them all off, but if they want them off, they can have them off. Uh, We've got one in 2024 that um, is taking the first Tuesday off of every month and we're not making her make that up. I mean, that is so that she doesn't have to schedule off for dentist appointments and things like that. School meetings, things she has a day every month. Yeah, so it's just like actually sitting down and taking that time again, working on your business, not in it, uh, and finding out what it is your employees want. You sit down with somebody that you may not even know that they're thinking about leaving, jumping ship, and have conversations that me and Molly do. I hope our team stays. Most of them have. I mean, we have people celebrating their anniversaries all the time, but it's just, and people are going to leave. I mean, you have people that do want to go into business for themselves. I mean, we have one lady that is, we know, and I think now in four years, she has a five-year business plan to open up her own business. We'll be at her ribbon cutting. Like Our newest kennel tech just told us, you know, her long-term goal is to have a kennel at her house. Okay, well... Until that happens, you know, she's going to be there showing up, learning, helping out, you know, and she's going to be a very beneficial employee, like until she gets to the point where she's ready to branch out on her own. And then um, I, this is one of those negative things, but it it kind of goes to the positive. We, we meet people who are managers or owners and they don't let their like they're so worried about their employees having contact with their clients because they think they're going to quit and take them. Who cares? They quit and take them. They take them. Like there's, you'll get another groomer. They'll have dogs come in. Like, and people will be like, "What do you mean? That's part of my livelihood." But like, if that person leaves, you can't physically do all those dogs. You probably don't have a, a groomer ready to take all those dogs. Like, quit obsessing over that and focus on the positive things about your business. Focus. Put that energy into finding the next great team member that can fill those spots, or you know that will bring in other great customers. And that's not to say we do have our team sign a non-solicit. Um, and we keep hearing about these non-competes, and 
99% of the time, a non-compete is going to be illegal in your area. It's going to limit someone's potential to make a livelihood. But, you know, um, again, that's something you want legal counsel on before you implement any of these. But like a non-solicit just means that they can't take a customer list from from our business. Now, if they brought that customer, if it's followed them, they're the last 10 salons, by all means, you know, we'll set, we'll, and when they reach out, we'll give them your contact. But at the end of the day, you can't live your life worried that one of your employees is going to quote unquote, steal your clients. Like you, you should have such a great business that your clients want to stay regardless of who's grooming them. Yeah. Um, and then the quality ergonomic equipment, like this is the tables and the tubs with ramps and, you know, things like, um, the belly bands and things, you know, the support that are going to let you have the space to groom a dog how you need to groom without picking it up, without breaking your back. Um, now um, tables, I mean, bathtubs are even becoming that way. And so more up, more down. Um, we're seeing salons that have just everything. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if they have a five pound dog or a 200 pound dog. They're not having to lift and bend and do all the things. So to them, a lot of times it's it takes a lot of that stress off um, and that's the the physical strain and then just the emotional strain of having to dread doing that. And again, you know, you may not be in that position to run out and buy all that stuff today, but start making a plan on, on upgrading some of your equipment if it's old and not, not helpful to the groomer's body. Yeah. Um, and then appropriate scheduling. That just goes with um, not overworking your team, limiting the amount of big dogs they're having, um, limiting if they're even a adequately able and comfortable to do aggressive dogs, senior dogs, puppies, you know, like we have a newer groomer that we trained and I mean, she's a full groomer. She's great. Her skills are phenomenal, but her handling is still slacking. And that's something that that just comes with experience and time. And, you know, we're not going to schedule her a dog we know is aggressive because we're, that would be setting her up for failure. Um, so things like that that you can do um, with appropriate scheduling too, I'd say, you know, find out what your team actually needs to work and see if there's a way that you can make that work. Like our team gets to pick their start time and they get to pick the days they worked. Originally, you know, we used to be, well, we used to be open on the weekends. Then we went to Monday through Friday because who wants to work on the weekends? But now, I mean, we have... I don't know, not half our team, but close to half our team actually works Saturdays because that works with their life schedule. You know, they need a day off during the week. They want to be off when their spouse is off, things like that. So having that flexibility, like Todd said last month, we went around with everyone and figured out what they wanted their schedule to be next year. And again, that's not something that you can swap. You know, someone says, oh, well, I don't want to work Tuesday anymore. Okay. And then next week, like if you pre-book schedules, you know, it takes time, but let them know you're open and willing to do some of those things. Yeah. Um, another one, again, we talked about is continuing education. Um, this is was a big benefit that people saw. Um, it was the type of continuing education. It was the benefits of continuing education. And this was things like skills um, as far as, you know, like scissoring techniques, the different styles, color, anything that you can do to put hands on a dog, whether it was in person, model, seeing a demonstration um, at the conferences. Some of them just had online learning um, services they did. Some of them actually brought people into the salon or sent them to a local thing. Or again, some of them were even getting it strictly 100% online, but they were actually given the support or given the membership or given something that they were able to do that continuing education. Um, and it could even be as simple as, you know, if you're at a salon, you have five, 10 team members, and you have one person that's excellent on something, host a little class, even if it's after hours, like provide supper, order a couple pizzas and have that one person go over whatever it is that they're great at. And maybe do that once a month with each different team member, which is kind of something they specialize in or something, just so you are providing some type of continuing education. It doesn't cost you any more than a couple pizzas and paying everybody that extra hour, hour and a half they stayed over uh, or don't even have them stay over. Just don't schedule any dogs during that time. I think any type of that continuing education, like I said, any other industry is regulated or if, or things like that where continuing education is required by law to continue to hold your license and grooming. It's just, it's not a regulated industry. And so people still just don't 
find the education important, but it's extremely important. Yeah. Again, you hear that. Well, I've been doing it this way for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And and yet you're in the same position and your team doesn't want to stay. And you wonder why you can't find some of these amazing, talented, quality groomers. It's because times have changed, even though like, and this is just even from when I've started. I mean, it's amazing to see in 10 years where this industry has come with the focus on continuing education in every area, um, especially in the how to run your business space, because there are so many groomers coming into that without any business experience. So in these skills classes, I mean, they are, these are world teachers, like Groom Team USA, international groom teams, I mean, fully sponsored, like they know what they're talking about in these skills classes. You don't know how to do something, go take some of these classes or take some of these webinars or seminars and get hands on. And, or even if it's a demo dog you're practicing on, or like a, a model dog, not even a real dog. Like I took a Bashan class, I think two years ago. And I mean, I had been grooming for eight years at that or 10 years at that time and came out of that class learning, knowing more about a Bashan trim than I had learned in 10 years. So um, is that, this is just the overview. I know you guys are probably tired of listening to us going on for an hour here. No, we still got one more. Sorry. Proactive safety and sanitation procedures, policies, and training. So that was the last thing that was really important to people. Again, it kind of directly correlates to that negative space. Um, So that's proactive safety and sanitation procedures, policies, and training. That's to prevent work-related injuries and support a healthy work environment. So again, this is more of you just think it'll get done or you think that everyone knows how to do it, but you don't think about all the little spaces, all the little cracks, all the tiny little duties. You don't think about stretching. You don't think about providing your team with a back brace. Like every one of our team, like we've told them over and over, like go get a back brace that fits you because you don't need to be wrestling a dog. Or if you tweak your back, you don't want to make it worse. And these uh, policies, procedures, training, like Molly's talking about can also, if you have those in place, they can eliminate some of the toxic work environment. Like, we go down to as simple as how we want laundry done at our salon, how we want the towels done. And some people might like think, I don't hire, I'm not even going to hire somebody to know how to do towels. It doesn't matter if they know how to at their home. We want it done this way. We want this detergent used. We want this sanitizer used. We want them dried at this heat level. But having those clear items defined take stress off of employees they're like am i doing this right am i not doing it right yeah and that goes with kennel dryers like what dogs can have a kennel dryer make sure they have water like all that needs to be clearly defined what dogs can have a muzzle what dogs can't like what temperature is your water on how do you fill up your shampoos like every single thing needs to have a policy and procedure and be written down so even if you're having a bad day or you're just spaced out and you're just like, oh my gosh, what what am I forgetting or what's next? It's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, two ounces of shampoo and, you know, we're good to go. And a lot of these policies and procedures that we have in place, not only do we go through them in the handbook, but when we're giving them to them and going over it, we we put the why behind that. These, so it doesn't just come off of it's, it's Molly's way to clean or the highway. It's like, yeah. no, these are things that we've learned. We've went through these classes like we didn't just wake up one morning and decide that this is how we're going to wash towels. <laughs> yeah, we have our bathtub cleaning policy from one of our team members at the salon is he found a way to certain spray and let it sit a set amount of time. And then it's just like any of that underneath grime and those tiny little grates just rinses right off. And so we recorded he recorded a little video. We sent it out to our entire team. And it's something as simple as washing your bathtub out. But it's how to keep the slime, the mold, the mildew, the hair, you know, and it's, I mean, it's something simple. It takes them five minutes, but like it saves them 20 minutes of trying to get in all these little great holes and things. So, I mean, you just, like you said, the why is a good thing and show and give examples and write it down step by step. Yeah. But so I'm sorry, we know this was a long episode and it was a lot of information. Um, But again, I just want to recap the, core negative themes that we saw over or I saw and we continue to see over and over um, the highest contributors to low job satisfaction, burnout, um, employees leaving, quitting jobs, our employees are overscheduled and overworked, lack of support felt by the team, by employees, 
toxic work environment, and a real lack of sanitation and safety procedures, policy, and training. And on the flip side of that, got a lot of feedback. The big things we saw that promoted and encouraged job satisfaction, quality of working life, and prevented burnout were importance of teamwork, a positive work environment, continuing education, and then those proactive safety and sanitation procedures, policies, and training. So um, we just want to thank you guys. Again, we know that was a long episode and we will be putting more out on this because it is a very important space and we just keep hearing and seeing these issues. And we're going to we're going to break it down into probably each four things and go through the negative and positive of each one just on an episode. So it's not so stretched out and it's more of an in-depth. Yeah, we'll bring out some more examples, um, some things that I learned from feedback, some things we've noticed, some things we've got from from other, you know, salon leaders and things like that. Um, but we're just really looking forward to sharing this class more and this education and looking forward to hearing from you guys to see what you need and keep, um, keep on the lookout because again, we are starting up a second study and we're going to be doing these in-depth interviews because we want to continuously find out from the groomers, from, you know, these interviews, what you've experienced firsthand, that what's important to you and what is going to help the um, the balance and that quality work in life. Yeah. And if you're a manager and owner and you made some changes that really change your business for the better, uh, we'd like to hear from you guys too. So part of that study. Yeah. So um, thank you guys. You have a great week and be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast for all our upcoming episodes.